have to be people of passion. We have to be people of desire. We have to be people that seek after God. Because if we do not seek him, neither will we find him. And so this is why we do what we do. This is why we pray on a daily basis. This is why we read his word on a daily basis. This is why we desire for his presence and we cry out for more of his presence on a daily basis because there is more of God to know. There is more of God to comprehend. There is more of God to take in. And Cain was not willing to pay that price and therefore he went from the presence of God. And he'd done his own thing. And the Bible begins to tell after that all of the things and that take place. And how that he went into the land speaking of the world and he did his own thing. And we know that God is everywhere. But yet Cain said, of the Bible said of Cain, he went from the presence of God. He was not walking in alignment with God's will for his life. He chose to do what his flesh desired rather than what his spirit knew. And so as a result of this, we see that he left the presence of the Lord. He left the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. And so we see here in Psalms chapter 27, I want to read uh, this chapter in its entirety tonight. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. And whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat me up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. David said, there is one thing that I'm seeking from God, and that is to dwell in his presence, to dwell where God dwells to be in his house, to be in his presence. Amen. He's not talking about a, a building. He is talking about being in the presence of Jehovah God. And he said, there's one thing that I've desired, this one thing that I'm seeking, this one thing that I'm pursuing. If you don't desire more of God, you will not seek for more of God. If you're not hungry, if there's not a passion on the inside of you, if you're satisfied with the, the God that you have and the God that you know, then that's all you will ever have. But when you have a hunger for him, you will seek for him. And when you seek for him, David said, this is my desire that I dwell in his house, be in the beauty of the Lord and inquire of him in his temple. He went on and said, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above mine enemies all around me. <laughs> 
He said, therefore, I will offer sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and my have mercy upon me when I, and answer me when I ask. Seek my face. My heart says unto you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Hallelujah. David understood the importance of seeking God. He understood the importance. He said, I understand that if I'm going to seek you, then I have to bring a sacrifice to you. And he brings a sacrifice. What is his sacrifice? As you heard me teach before, uh, David was a man before his time. He was, he was a, a general before his generation. And, and he was raised up to take the body of Christ where they never were before. He was raised in a time when they brought turtle doves and bulls for sacrifice. But he learned the secret and he understood that God wasn't concerned about the turtle dove and the bull. But what he was interested in was a sacrifice. And he would come to God in his presence when all of his uh, counterparts would go with turtle doves and, and, and bullocks and take them into the presence. David would go into the presence of God with only a praise. And he would say, this is my sacrifice of praise. It was not something that came easy to him because his enemies were around him. Trouble was uh, his uh, on his against him and all of these things around him were going on and David said I'm going to offer you a sacrifice something that's going to cost me something my flesh doesn't want to do something that everything around in me says no and cries out and screams out and says there's no need for that you don't have to do that it's oh it's it's too much but yet David said, I'm going to bring you this sacrifice of joy. I'm going to bring you this praise. I'm going to bring you my worship. And I'm going to offer it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. I'm going to sing praise. I'm going to sing to your name. I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you honor. And David would begin to sweet, sing sweet nothings in God's ear. And God would lean his ear down toward David and would hear his cry of a sacrifice of praise that would come out of the earth when no one else would worship him. He could count on David to give him praise. When everything else was chaotic and the voices on the earth were silent, he could get count on David. He could tune his ear toward the earth and he could hear the praise and the cries of David coming up before him. I want to tell you tonight that we have to learn the, uh, the, uh, the joy of praise God in difficult circumstances. We need to learn the, the art of not just praising him because something has gone right, but praise him when everything has gone wrong. Because you see, in the midst of things going wrong, he is still God. 
Anybody can praise when things are going right. Anybody can worship when things are going good. Anyone can give him glory when God is obviously present. But it takes somebody that knows God that will dig down inside of their self, go beyond their flesh, and pull out a hallelujah, raising of the hands, a shouting of the voice, and say, God is good even though the circumstances are not. Amen. And you see, he, he began to sing praise. He began to bless the Lord. And he said, I'm going to seek your face. And I can't see you, God. I, I don't know where you're at in my life. I don't know what's going on, but I can't find you. But he said, I know the secret to cause you to come out of your hiding place. <laughs> He said, I know I'm going to start singing songs of joy. I'm going to sing songs of praise. I'm going to worship your name and I'm going to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And he said, I'm going to seek your face. My heart is towards you, God. You are what I need in my life and I'm going to seek you. And he said, don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, though then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth place because of mine enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. In such as a breath out, breathe out violence, I should have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, if I didn't believe in you, God, I would have gave up. God, if you weren't there, if, if, if I didn't have something to believe in, that, that somehow you was going to work this out. But he said, I have a belief. I have, I have something I'm confident in. And he said, wait on the Lord and be of courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We know sometimes instead of trying to run, we need to just wait. Because it's in our waiting that God will reveal his power. Sometimes it takes more faith just to wait than it does to move. Job was seeking God. Job 23, he said in verse 8, look, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. How many have ever not been able to see God? Can't see him in anything that's going on. Can't see him in the situations or the circumstances. Can't see him in in, uh, no answers coming, no direction coming, no purpose for what's taking place. And Job was in this place. And you remember Job 
was the first book of the Bible. Job didn't have, he didn't have a Bible to follow. Job didn't have a, a teacher. He didn't have a life coach. He didn't have somebody to encourage him and speak words into his life. He was, he was building the kingdom of God uh, through this personal relationship with God. And so sometimes when you read the book of Job, you will see that, that you know, it's just raw. <laughs> and and he, he tells it like it is, and he tells it how he's feeling it. He don't know, you know, that all of the, the lingo. He doesn't know all the verbiage. He don't know all the goddies. He, all he knows is just to express himself from his heart. And so sometimes whenever he speaks, he doesn't speak lining up with faith. He just speaks out of his, his heart, out of what's going on in his life. But it gives us a real perspective. And Job speaks up and he says, look, he said, I, I've looked ahead of me and I can't see God leading me. I've looked behind him and I can't myself and I can't see anywhere that he has been. He said, I look to my left and he was at work, but I did not perceive him. I looked to my right and I could not find him. Amen. But yet he was at work in Job's life, but Job just couldn't see it for all of the trouble that he was in. And so there, it was that pressure in his life that caused him to seek for God. How I many know if you don't ever have any trouble, you, you won't be seeking for God? Sometimes trouble can be your friend. Huh? Sometimes that difficult situation can push you right into the promise of God over your life. Sometimes the things that the enemy works uses against you are being working begins working for you because it'll cause you to seek out and search out and pursue the things that God has promised over your life. Amen. You see, sometimes you just have to be thankful for your enemies, that your enemies will cause you to seek after God because they are, here Job said, look, he said, the enemies are all around me. They're trying to devour me. I'm looking for God. I'm pursuing God. I, I, I need his presence in my life. But said, I looked and I seen that he was at work, but I didn't even know he was at work. There are times in your life, my brothers and sisters, that the days will become dark and the nights will be long. There'll be times in your life when it feels like that God, as the saying is, is a million miles away. But I promise you that even when you cannot tra track him, you can still trust him because he promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He promised that he would be with you. And even in those times in your life, whenever you are not able to see the handiwork of God or feel him at work, you see, he's on the left hand, the left hand it is not the right hand is the hand of authority but the right hand or the left hand whenever it's in the left hand of God people don't know that you're being blessed 
People don't know what's going on in your life, right? But when you're in the right hand of God, that's when you get the job promotion. That's when you're getting double for your trouble. That's when favor is coming and everything is working out in your life. But whenever he puts you in his left hand and he works on the left side, nobody sees the work that is going on. You, you got overlooked for the promotion. You, 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 the things didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out. But I tell you, even though you're in his left hand or you're on the, he's on your left side, he's still at work in your life. He is still moving. He is still orchestrating. He is still working on your behalf. And I tell you tonight that Job could not see him at work, but he was still at work. How did he finally come to this realization? Because he began to pursue after him. He began to seek for him. He began to look for him. Amen. Sometimes it's not so obvious, but yet he is so faithful. The whole book of Solomon, when we look at Solomon, we see that he is pursuing God. In Solomon chapter 3, in verse 1 through 4, it tells us there, By night on my bed I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city. Can you see this? This is the love story of a Shulamite woman pursuing the love. It's this story that is scripted out, but yet it is about our pursuit after God. And she says, I'm laying here on my bed thinking about my love. Wondering where he's at. And I can't find him. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to rise up. And goes into the city streets in the night. And begins to search the square. She said I will seek the one I love. I sought him but I did not find him. The watchman who go about the city found me and said. Have you seen the one I love? Scarcely I had passed them when I found the one I loved. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. Solomon, this Shulamite woman was, girl was looking for her love, was pursuing after her love. And whenever it wasn't easy to find, she got up and said, I'm going to go find out where my love is. Amen. We have been fed, spoon fed this fluffy gospel for so long that we think that if our love isn't laying in the bed with us, we think that if we come to church, and we can't find him on Sunday or, or some, the, 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 the few faithful folks that come on Wednesday night. Uh, if we can't find him here, then, then he's just not to be found. But I want to submit to you that God desires for you to find him. He longs for you to pursue him and to seek after him. 
And the Shunammite woman rose up and went to the streets and went to the square. And she said, I'm not going to rest until I find my lover. Hallelujah. I wish that people would fall in love with Jesus again like that. I wish that we would have a passion to pursue his love like that again. Amen. This whole book of the Song of Solomon is about worship. It is about the hot, passionate pursuit of the lover. And I believe that we've got to have a passion again for the things of God. We've got to get hungry for the lover of our soul. We have to have a passion that says if we don't find him laying here, we're going to get up and we're going to seek for him. We're going to pursue him. We desire him and we want him in our lives. Praise God. You see, so that one that is, is so, uh, uh, so desired in our life, we will find them. We will pursue them. Amen. When we're hungry for relationships, we pursue the relationship. Huh? When you found the one, you pursued them. Amen? Back in the day, it might have been Letters may have been phone calls, may have had to drive some distance, but nothing was too much because that is the one you love, right? And somehow as time goes by, we, we have that relationship of pursuing and, and desiring and until, until, you know, we get married. And then after we get married a few years, then it kind of wanes. And then we can't even get off the couch to go get a nice tea. Huh? I'm preaching better than y'all letting on tonight. I tell you that. Amen. To do the little insignificant things, it seems too much. Because somehow we, we've settled with our love. And I submit to you, it's happened in our hearts, in our relationship with God. Whenever we first found him, there wasn't nothing or anywhere we wouldn't go, nothing we wouldn't do. There was nothing he could not ask of us that we would not do because we loved him so passionately. We were so grateful for what he brought us out of. Amen. We were thankful for the time that we called on his name and, and like a, a huge trash dumpster, he backed up to our soul and emptied all of the burden off of us and carried it away with him. And we were light as a feather and we were thankful that the burden was gone. And now the lover of our soul, ask what you will. We're ready the first eight weeks of, of salvation to win the world. 
We'll go anywhere, do anything. For this one that lifted the burden and destroyed the yoke off of our lives. We worship, amen, without fear, without reservation. We give God, I love folk that haven't been raised up in the church. I love to see folk that don't know how to worship. Amen. Because it ain't cute little hallelujahs. Amen. They just, they just, all they know is that they're so overjoyed with what they feel. They've got to express themselves somehow. Amen. And I know I've told you this before, but the thing that sticks out of my head the most, when we was in revival, a lady got saved and she is, you know, kind of rough. You can tell that. And, and anyways, she got feeling the presence of God and she jumps up one night and said, Woo, great balls of fire. I said, right there, somebody. I like that right there. Amen. It wasn't hallelujah or kumbaya. She was just worshiping God, right? But somehow we get away from that until, until it, it comes a burden for us to come to church. It's a burden for us to worship God. It's a burden for us to lift our hands and even act like we're in love anymore. Huh? Amen. We lose that passion. We lose that zeal. We lose that desire. Amen. We lose that fervency to seek after him, to pursue him. But I tell you that Solomon understood that in this Shulamite girl understood this is the one I love and nothing is going to separate me from his presence. If I've got to get up out of this bed, so be it. If I've got to go in the street in the middle of the night, so be it. If I've got to go beyond the guards and those limitations, so be it. But I'm going to find the lover of my soul. I want to tell you tonight that he is worth pursuing. Pursue him with passion because when you find him his presence is sweeter than honey when you find him his joy is unspeakable and full of glory when you find him your sorrows will turn to joy and your mourning will turn to dancing because in his presence there is fullness of joy hallelujah David said, as a deer pants for the water's brook, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David said, I'm gonna, I've kept, you. if you read this chapter, he is crying out to God because he said, I, I've kept the holy days. I've, I've went to worship. I, if he was in this modern day, he said, I went to church every Sunday. I worshiped with all the rest of them. But he said, I have not, I am looking for God in my life. I'm pursuing him as a thirsty deer is pursuing water. I am thirsting after the presence of God. I am hungry for him. Amen. David concludes that though I don't understand, yet will I worship him. Amen. Because as I said earlier, he understood the power of worship. That worship would bring God out of that secret place. He would pray, your worshiping God would bring him out to where he can be seen. Praise God. We've got to pursue after him. We've got to desire him. We've got to want more of him than what we have now. 
Why is it that God hides himself from us? God doesn't hide himself from us so as to be, not be found. He hides himself from us like a father hides himself from his little child. In such a way as to be found. But yet must be pursued. Because you see, he is hid to those who are not looking for him. But yet those who will seek him, he said, they shall find me. Why would he hide himself in the first place? We, he, he hides himself because he knows we will only seek that which has value to us. And so if he is not valuable to us, we will no longer seek him. And he doesn't cast his pearl before the swine. So he hides himself not to be hidden, but only to be found. Because that one which says you're valuable to me will come and pursue him. And he wants to make sure that in your pursuit that you will find him. Amen. And so it is that, that that thing that is valuable, if it is valuable, you will seek for it. The woman in the New Testament lost the coin. And she sought out the coin, got up and turned on, put on a candle and swept the whole house until she found it. Why? Because the coin was valuable to her. The shepherd left the 90 and 9, went looking for the one that was lost. Why? Because the one that was lost was valuable to the shepherd. And so only those who, who have it, God has value to will pursue him, will seek him. But whenever we begin to seek him, he said, we shall find him. Amen. God's presence is no longer valuable to us. We forget, we forgot his presence and in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. We have forgotten that in his presence, miracles take place. We forgot that in his presence, our situation can turn around in a millisecond in the presence of God. We have forgotten that even when we are sick, that in his presence, sickness cannot live in the presence of God. Amen. We have forgotten that when we are in his presence, our enemies will flee. David said, as wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish in the presence of God. Amen. Whenever we get in his presence, why should we pursue him, pastor? Why should we have his presence? Because in his presence is everything that you need. It doesn't matter what your circumstance. You may have to get up in the middle of the night. You may have to walk, if you will, through the spiritual stark streets at night. You may have to push your way past those things that have limited and held guarded and bound up the city. But push your 
your way through because just on the other side of that bondage, just on the other side of that limitation is the blessing. You're going to find his presence and in his presence, not even the gates of hell will prevail against the presence of an almighty God. We must have his presence in our life. We must have his presence in the church. We must have his presence, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but every day of your life, you need to walk in his presence, be aware of his presence, be led by his presence, let his presence consume your thoughts, let his presence lead you, guide you, direct your path, because in his presence, your enemies will flee, in his presence, your body will be healed, in his presence, darkness has to go, and joy has to come, in his presence, the enemy is destroyed, and God is arisen in your life. God's presence was so valuable to Moses, he was willing to give up the promise to keep God's presence. When God told him, Moses, go on, but you're not going, I'm not going with you. Moses said, hold up. If you don't go, I'm not going. Because to have the promise without you is not worth having at all. And I'd rather have your presence than to have the promise. I may lose the promise, but if I've got your presence, I'll get another promise. (laughs) He understood the strength of being in the presence of God. And he knew that outside of his presence, he was a defeated somebody. I don't come to you and and preach to you as one who has it together. I come to you preaching to you as one that is seeking his presence. But this I do know. This modern day church cannot continue down the path that it is going without the presence of God. If we're going to see the last day and we will see the last day, God will make sure of that. But if we're going to see the last day outpouring, we, what has to, it isn't going to be decided if it's going to happen. The, the question is, are we going to be a part of it? The prophet prophesied in the Old Testament and he said the day will come whenever it will rain on one city. And the next city beside of it will have no rain. It will drought. Cities are the church. He's speaking of the body of Christ. And he is saying that, that, that it is in a geographical touchdown from God. It's about the condition of the heart. Do we want his presence? Do we want his tangible presence in our lives? Do we want more of him? Or are we satisfied with the status quo? Have we been in relationship with him so long that we've learned the religious lingo? 
Are we really passionately still in love with him? I'm not talking about backsliding. It's it's possible for you to be out of the presence of God. And and I'm not, not talking necessarily about out of relationship with God. I'm talking about you don't have a presence of God in your life. Leading you, guiding you, directing you. And we come to this place, this season. And my concern is, is we know all about the Bible, but we don't know about the God of the Bible. We don't have a relationship. We don't seek his presence anymore. Somehow we think in this modern day church we have arrived. Amen. And we have shifted one from one side of the pendulum to the other. And I'm not going to go into all of that tonight. Only to say this. The old church couldn't tell you nothing of how God worked, but they could had some power to demonstrate. And this modern day church can tell you how God works, but there is no manifestation of power. Amen. And it leads me to believe we think that we have come to the end of him. <laughs> but I'm telling you tonight, God still has some stuff up his sleeve that'll blow your mind. He's still greater than your thoughts. He's greater than your mind can perceive. Hallelujah. He, he has a wonderful work in this last day that he is going to release into the body of Christ, but he isn't going to release it into people that are not passionately pursuing him. If there's no hunger, there's no feeding. If there's no pursuing, there's no passion, then there's no finding. But for those who are passionately pursuing him, he promised we would find him. And he would do a great work within us. Amen. I don't know about you, but I need him. I don't I don't I, I love his promises. I love his gifts, but I need his presence. Because if I have his presence like Solomon, I'll have the wisdom of God. I'll have the mind of God. Amen. And if I have the mind of God, I won't have financial problems. <laughs> huh? If I have the mind of God, if I have the presence of God, I won't, I won't have to ponder on things for days, weeks, and months to try to figure it out. Direction will come. Decisions will come easy because I'm in his presence. And in his presence, he is leading, guiding, orchestrating, and directing my life. I want his presence. I want his presence. Come help me, Pastor Jamie.
I know this isn't a message of that'll go down in history of great messages, pastor, but it is something that I is it coming out of my heart ever since in October, as I told you, the Lord spoke to me that this in this season that we're to direct this church into the supernatural. For the supernatural manifestations of God, it isn't that we seek the, the manifestations, we seek his presence. And as a secondary consequence of being in his presence, supernatural things take place. And so we're pursuing him. This is going to be a year of pursuit. And in pursuing him, God's going to show up big time. He's going to reveal himself to us in ways that we've only dreamed about. Only hoped for and some had already given up on. But listen, the church is not going to go out. Read the book. Read the book. The church isn't going out defeated. It ain't going out silently. Nobody know we're gone. That's those books. (laughs) That ain't the Bible. Don't read those books and then think that's the Bible. That ain't, that ain't it. I tell, (laughs) I ain't going to go there, but when we go, the world's going to know we're gone. He refers to it as a thief in the night because not because nobody's going to know we're gone and everybody's going to start looking and six months later, they're going to figure out we're gone. He refers to it as a thief in the night because no man knows the hour, the time or the season, not even the son of God. The angels in heaven, not the son of God. Nobody knows it, but God. So he refers to it in such a manner, but he does give us signs. Amen. He gives us signs. And we're getting closer and closer. And one of the things he said he was going to do is pour his spirit out on all flesh. His sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. All my servants and handmaidens. I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. We're not leaving as a whip pups. We're not leaving because we were defeated. And God says, I got to get them out, pluck them out. The world's getting too wicked. God never gave up his world. The earth still belongs to God. And don't you let anybody talk you into the devil's about to win. The devil's not never won. Neither will he ever win. Amen. And there ain't nothing going to happen that God don't allow to happen in our lives until he takes us out. Once he takes us out, then he's going to deal with this thing. But I tell you tonight that we are going to leave victorious. All throughout the Bible, I challenge you to find one place in the Bible. God started something big and it fizzled out. 
He said the latter shall be greater than the former. Right? The latter house shall be greater than the former house. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Right? It always starts small and it begins to do great. And so if the church started in Pentecost, in power, healing the sick and raising the dead and setting captive folk free, how many know it's going to be a blast to be a part of this last day church? Amen. I mean, it's going to be a blast. And I'm looking forward to it. And I just want his presence so I can be a part of whatever he wants to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, our time is slipping away tonight. Pastor Jamie, just prophesy a little bit. Come on, just go after God right there where you are. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to come to the front. But just pursue his presence. If he is worth it to you, pursue him tonight. There's something that says, God, you're worth it to me. I want you in my life. my life. God, I'm passionately pursuing you. Your presence is what I want. I'm not after the things. I'm after you. I hunger for you. I desire you. I want you more than gold. I want you more than silver.
All I have is you. 